0: Hello, I'm Jim Richards, and this is Impact Cyber Church. I want to welcome you here today. We are taking another step in this, what I think is a life-transforming series, Dignity and Worth. And today we're going to be talking about the voice of a clear conscience. Now, the conscience is one of those things that is so critical to being able to be physically healthy, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, relationally healthy. Yet the truth is, it's not really talked about very much. And so many people... You know, are working around formulas and trying to do all of the right things, so to speak, with no sense of how their own conscience affects them. And really no sense of how God works through the conscience or how God cleanses the conscience when we violate it. When you have a clear conscience, you're going to have peace in your life and you're going to be able to walk in faith and power. I'll be right back. Don't go away. You know, I've got a great free message for you this month called Seeing Yourself as God Sees You. There are few things that will transform your life as much as coming to understand and believe how God really sees and feels about you. Be sure and download this. It's a life changer. All right, today we're talking about the voice of a clear conscience and really even the power and the value of a clear conscience. You know, there was a time that Jesus was speaking and he talked about people in their struggle between God and mammon. Now, unfortunately, mammon is always interpreted to be money. Now, money itself is never a real problem. The problem is our attitude toward money. And actually, the word mammon does not necessarily mean money. It has to do with avarice. It has to do with greed and self-centeredness and a lust and our desire for money and the security that it will bring to you. And it's basically an impossible desire to ever fulfill. You know, the one time that Jesus warned his disciples about money, they got man. They got upset because they had always believed that money, having wealth, was a sign of being blessed of God. And then he had to expand it a little bit, explain to them that the real problem is those who trust in riches. Riches were not the problem, those who trust in riches. You know, there's a lot of people that have riches that support missions. They support their church. They support ministries all over the world. You know, they do compassionate work all over the world that they couldn't do without riches. You know, the church has always been messed up about money and always made people feel guilty if they had a desire for success or a desire to prosper. And there's nothing wrong with prosperity unless that's where you're going to put your trust and your security and that's where you're going to get your identity. So in talking about mammon, Jesus wasn't just talking about money. And he talked about this struggle And the struggle that he's describing is a struggle that takes place between trust, commitment, hunger for God and for his ways and all that he represents, or selfishness and self centeredness that's going to be gratified by taking and by, you know, just by pursuing riches and having power and that sort of thing. And it's really interesting because he talks about this in the context of talking about how the eye is the light of the body and when he's talking about the eye being the light of the body he talks about how that if the light that is in you because your eye is not whole your eye is not single if the light that is in you is darkness then how great is your darkness and so when the bible talks about our eyes Many times it is talking metaphorically just about our ability to see clearly and to perceive things clearly. And when we don't see things clearly, our eye is not single. Our vision is not single. Is the reason we're not seeing them clearly, which means we are actually like a person who has a problem with one eye and doesn't have a problem with the other eye. We're looking at something and what we're seeing is being distorted because of the difference in each of our eyes. Now, let's get into what this means in functionality. See, the heart is the seat of identity. Y'all know this, you've all heard me talk about this. But the what we fail to understand many times is that the voice of the heart is basically our conscience. And the ability for the heart To perceive things, the ability for the heart to understand, the ability for the heart to produce life and peace and joy within you, all has to do with whether or not your conscience is single or in the Greek, you can look this up and it's the word healthy or whole or sound. Now, you say, isn't our conscience just something that bothers us when we do things that are wrong? Well, there's a lot more to it than that. You see, When we got born again, actually, it probably happened before we got born again, because all people come into the world with a conscience. And, you know, the Apostle Paul talked about how that even people that didn't know God, when they did godly things, it was because they were listening to their conscience. So I know there's a lot of debate about this, but I have every reason to believe from a biblical perspective that every person alive has had all of God's commandments and all that those commandments Imply written in the deepest part of their being. Now they may not be listening to that, they may not be yielding to that, but it's there and it makes up a part of their conscience even if they haven't given their life to Jesus. You know, if there wasn't something in man that inherently knew good from evil from God's perspective, You know, man creates his own concepts of good and evil. But if we didn't know good from evil on some level, everybody would be a sociopath. Everybody would just live greedy, self-centered lives with absolutely no remorse, but You know that even as a lost person, part of your motivation to give your life to Jesus was the fact that you didn't like the way you felt about yourself. You didn't like your behavior. You didn't like, you know, what was going on inside of you as a result of the life that you're living. So deep within us, the deepest part of our being is everything that every commandment that God has ever spoken and what it implies. And so when we are born again, our spirit comes alive to the Holy Spirit. And so for the first time, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us. And that's what it means to be born of the Spirit. So when the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us, the only thing He says to us is what Jesus has already said. And what Jesus said, was the proper interpretation, the only right interpretation and application of God's Word. Then he modeled what it looked like in real life, and then he went through the death, burial, and resurrection to show the ultimate love that God has for us. So the Holy Spirit is inside you. And remember, walking in love is not just you know feeling mushy about people. Walking in love is not just everything goes, everything's all right. Walking in love is not humanism. I want you to understand that. But walking in love is when we treat people the way God's commandments says we should treat people. You know, There's so many people attacking the commandments and I understand attacking legalism. Man, I hate legalism because legalism is all about religion and I don't have a religious bone in my body or at least I hope I don't. And every time I get to thinking that I've sort of got one, I deal with it because I don't want religion. Religion doesn't bring life. Religion always brings bondage. And it was religion that took the commandments of God and perverted how they were applied And instead of being a means of walking in love and how we treated other people, it became a means of criticizing and judging other people. And this whole idea was presented that this was how what we had to do to please God and get God to love us and get God to accept us. So it's all been perverted. And that's why Jesus had to come and show us God's true intentions. And that's why the Holy Spirit teaches us, based on what Jesus said, based on His interpretation of Scripture, based on His application of Scripture. So deep inside you, you've got this way of seeing everything perfectly as it is revealed from God's Spirit to your spirit. Deep inside you, it's the deepest part of your being. You have this intuitive knowing of good and evil. Again, not because you're deciding good and evil, but based on what God's Word says good and evil is. But the problem is... The word conscience has to do... Actually, the English word for conscience means uh, dual knowledge. Con means dual, and science means knowledge. The Greek word for conscience is more along the lines... It gets bigger than just knowledge because it's more along the lines of co-perception. So in our conscience, what comprises our conscience, which is basically... The conscience is the voice of the heart. So... There's our spirit that has been made perfect. If you're born again, your spirit has been made completely righteous, completely perfect. And then there's your soul, which you have total control over your soul. You have total control over your thoughts, your beliefs that you create, the things you choose to embrace. And so the question is this, is... What is being said at your deepest level of being, which is always going to be based on God's Word, is that the same thing you think whenever you're making decisions? Are your thoughts, feelings, and emotions in harmony with what God is saying in your spirit? If it's not, then your co-perception is being perverted, and you cannot perceive God the world, or yourself the way God perceives you and the way it takes to live in peace and joy. Listen, I'll be back in a few minutes and we'll be getting on some solutions. Listen, if you're tired of feeling bad about yourself, if you're tired of not liking who you are, and you're tired of the way that's affecting your relationships and your walk with God, then you want to get my series, Dignity and Worth, a 10-CD series with two bonus CDs, which means you're going to get 12 CDs. Two of them are going to be a free gift to you because I want to invest in you. And I want to tell you, this is going to give you the tools you need to walk through a life transformation and change your sense of dignity and worth. All right, I hope you're kind of getting this concept about the conscious, about the dual vision, the dual perception. You know, one of the reasons this makes so much sense to me is uh, many of you know, in 2005, Brenda and I were in a really, really serious automobile accident. It was about a 65 mile an hour head-on collision that pretty much tore up my side of the car. We, she managed to not hit them dead center. She swerved off to one side and it just kind of took out my side of the car. And uh, man, I was messed up from that. I mean, I had all kinds of health problems for several years as a result of that. There's still a few health issues all these years later that I'm walking out. God's given me incredible victory every time I've had to face these, but you know, I'm winning the battle. But in the process of this, I had brainstem compression, and I guess the force of the blow ruptured a blood vessel in this eye. So because of the brainstem compression, I actually went completely blind two times. Now, you know what? I trusted God. I walked out of it, came out of it, and I'm able to see and you know, today I actually have 2020 vision. But it's kind of interesting how 2020 vision works. In this eye, I see objects slightly larger than I see them in this eye. And I don't know why this blood vessel getting ruptured in this eye, you know, caused that. So, I used to ride a motorcycle and we had a serious motorcycle outreach and just won a lot of bikers to Jesus and it was really powerful but I enjoyed just riding my motorcycle and one of the things I would notice is I'd be riding down a road and I'd come up on a curve and didn't matter which way it was but you know as I would kind of turn my head and look that way at the curve I'm seeing it more out of this eye and so the curve looked like it was you know, a certain angle or a certain degree. You're kind of perceiving that, you know, you're leaning into that curve. And then what would happen at some point as I would come around the curve, then this eye would come into play and suddenly the road would look different than it did with this eye, and it would scare the daylights out of me. I don't know how many times I nearly had wrecks or nearly ran off the road. That has a lot to do with why I sold my motorcycle and said, you know what, this is too dangerous, I'm not going to do it. But my point is this, I understand from experience what it's like when your perception is different in one eye than it is in the other eye. Well, everything about our ability to stay in faith, our ability to walk with God, to live in peace, to feel safe has to do with our conscience. Now, when these two voices, man, when they're single, when your eye is single, when your spirit, man, and your soul sees, perceives the same way, when they are pure and clear and and you have a healthy conscience, man, you live at peace and security and safety in your world. But when they are not single, when they're not congruent, then we have an internal conflict that causes stress, that causes uneasiness, and actually leads to a double, Mind. You know, a double mindedness, which in the Greek is double soul, double mindedness is simply wavering to this side of the conscience and how it is seen from God's perspective, and then wavering back over to how it's seen through our natural mind and the soul. And we wave back and forth between these two when they are not the same because our perception is distorted and we're never really seeing anything the way it really is. Matter of fact, most of what is causing us problems is not what's really happening. It's our perception of what is happening because it is our perception then that causes us to decide how we should respond to whatever the events are in our life. So man, this leads us to confusion. This leads us to double-mindedness. This leads us to what the Bible calls a crooked heart. You know, a crooked heart, and we've talked about this before, You know, when God speaks the truth from your spirit, man. and remember the truth is not just what the Bible says, it's what it means, what it implies, which means it always has to be interpreted and applied from the motive of love. So God speaks the perfect truth from our spirit being. That goes through the process of our heart and when it goes through the process of our heart remember our heart has this hierarchy of identity self-image self-worth self-confidence that has to do with what is happening in our conscience. So now, by the time what God has spoken in our spirit gets to our mind, it's been bent a little bit, it's been twisted a little bit uh, based on how our soul sees things. Now, this is a statement I've made that's made a lot of people mad and a lot of people want to argue this, but I want you to understand something. When you hear the voice of God, it doesn't come directly into your mind. God speaks into your heart. He speaks from your spirit into your heart, which means your natural mind always plays a role in interpreting or translating what that means based on what you believe, based on your perceptions. And so many times when you hear God, you bend that truth just a little bit, not intentionally. Matter of fact, it happens in a nanosecond. You don't even really know that it's happening, but it's happening because of what you have chosen to believe. And remember, when light bends, it changes colors. Therefore, our perception, our understanding... Is darkened somewhat. And this is where iniquity begins. Whenever the Word of God, when we perceive it in a crooked way, when we perceive it in the absence of light, and the light is how Jesus interpreted the Word, the light is how Jesus modeled the Word, the light is what Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. Like I've said to you so many times, you know, the book of Proverbs uh, 1720 says, He who has a crooked, in the New King James, is the word deceitful, in the King James, is the word froward. He who has a froward, deceitful, or as it really means in the original language, a crooked heart finds no good. A crooked heart twists and bends the word about who God is to such a degree that it changes his perception. People who are always afraid of God have a crooked heart. Now, they were probably influenced to have a crooked heart, not because they're evil, not because they're wicked, because of what their parents taught them, because of what their church taught them, because of what society taught them, because of what they learned in school. And so there is this great double vision between how you see things from God's perspective and how you see things from your intellect. And so this is where people... Begin to harden their heart because, you know, we want to trust our intellect. We want to trust how we see things. We want to trust that how we see it is how it really is. And I got news for you how we see it is never exactly how it really is. When you come to accept that, you'll start putting an end to problems in your life. So you want to understand again, iniquity is the rejection of God's commands as the standard for love, ethics, morality, justice, and all aspects of a healthy life and healthy relationships. So the Holy Spirit in us is always going to be leading us in such a way that we're going to be moral, we're going to be fair, we're going to be just, we're going to be ethical, we're going to treat others with value. And see, that just doesn't even make sense in today's society. You know, one of the things that has happened, and remember the Bible tells us that love will grow cold during these days that we're in because lawlessness abounds, because iniquity abounds. So the more you have political correctness defining morality, ethics, justice, The more you have political correctness defining racism, the more conflict there is between the races. The more you have humanism and political correctness defining uh, morality, the more immoral the world becomes. The more you have humanism and political correctness defining ethics and justice, the more corrupt everything comes. Why? Because it all gets back to the fact that it is not established in the foundation of love because everything that God ever said to do and how we treated ourselves, how we treated other people, and how we treated Him had to do with the value that we have. You know, one of the reasons believers make some of the compromises they make is because they don't have value for themselves. Sometimes they make compromises because they don't have values for others. Sometimes they make compromises because they don't have value for God. And usually that's because they're not experiencing much of the life of God for themselves. They're just, they're hearing about it. They go to church and eventually you just get tired of hearing about it. Because if you're not experiencing it, it just gets to be a boring mess. So... What's happening is as the world, as iniquity through humanism, political correctness, through our educational system, through false science, you know, all of these things, as iniquity abounds, then loving people from God's perspective makes less and less sense. You know, you just look around today. You know, if somebody thinks someone has dissed them, Man, right off the bat, you're ready for a fight. And I tell you, you watch some of these talk shows where they interview people who have a strong opinion. Of course, opinion may not be, is usually not based on anything. Love is not based on the Bible. And they won't listen to anything. They talk over their opponents. They're not really interested in knowing the truth. They're not interested in having value for other people. They're interested in having value for themselves. This is why Jesus taught us that you absolutely will be tormented. You will absolutely be torn in different directions if you try to serve God and serve self. Mammon, self-centeredness trying to get fulfilled through just taking care of self. You know, I remember one day I had to correct a staff member years ago. I'll never forget And This guy was a bodybuilder, and, uh, you know, he was a pretty intimidating guy. So he had violated some procedures, and I sat down with him and tried to have a reasonable conversation. He got louder and louder, and I kept saying, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. You know, we can solve this. You need to calm down. And so finally, I just got up to walk around my desk and he ran up and chest bumped me. And of course, I immediately put the guy on the ground. You know, I wasn't going to let him hurt me, but I didn't want to hurt him. But the point was, you know, his first reaction, even though he was completely in the wrong, his first reaction was to use force and brutality and power and insults and attacks to remedy the problem. That's where our society is, and that's why our society is getting more and more violent. We have abandoned. We are in iniquity. We have abandoned God's commandments as the standards for love, morality, justice, excellence, healthy life. I'll be back in just a minute with a mentoring moment, and I'm going to show you some practical application. You know, if this is speaking to your heart, man, if you're getting stirred up to feel better about yourself right now, go online and you can download this series, Dignity and Worth, and you can begin making your transformation today. Don't wait another minute. You know, one of the things we try to do here at Impact Ministries is to follow the biblical pattern of house-to-house meetings and then public meetings. And we have house-to-house meetings through the people who have eye groups who get together with their family or their neighbors or their friends. They use these broadcasts or sometimes our books and teaching CDs or DVDs and they actually have Bible studies using this material. And then we have public meetings when I travel around all over the country and people come together who are making this journey with us. Be sure this year, go ahead and plan to be with us October for World Change or Weekend. You can look at my website and get the dates on that. And also in November, November the 4th, 5th, and six. I'm going to be in Victoria, BC doing a Wired for Success seminar with By Design. And so you can look on our website and you can get the link to register for both of those seminars. And I want to encourage you to be there. And by the way, if you'll download our free mobile app, you'll always have the latest up-to-date information about where I am and what's going on. You know, one of the ways you can tell where your heart is, and if you're starting to allow iniquity come in, if you're starting to bend the truth to fit your needs, to fit what you want to do, to fit, you know, what benefits you, even though it may hurt other people, always comes down to just that, how do I treat other people? You know, one of the things that the Bible tells us about love is that love just does not wrong his neighbor or, you know, works no harm toward his neighbor. And so one of the places that we deceive ourselves is we think that if someone else does something unkind, unscriptural to us, we think that that then gives us the right to do unkind things to them. From that logic, remember the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end of that way is death. So from that logic, we violate God's Word. We stop walking in love when we are faced with conflict. We stop walking in love when we're faced with an offense. And we protect ourselves, we defend, we attack, and then sometimes we leave and we gossip and criticize the other person, even though what we're saying may be true, it's still slander, still spoken from the intention of proving that person wrong and making us look right. And then we wonder why in our life in general, we don't really feel peace. We wonder why in our life we keep having conflict with people. And so you need to just do a self-check. How do I respond when people wrong me or trespass against me. That word trespass means to violate your boundaries, to step across a boundary. You know, it might be a really interesting thing to even go to some of the people around you and just say, you know, when we have conflict, how do I respond and do I attack? Do I make you feel bad about yourself? Do I put you down? Because, you know, I was thinking about this when I was getting ready for this program. If people have difficulty talking to you, then it's probably because of the way you react when they try.